welcome. This is Spotlights. It's the podcast for the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology. And this week, I'm here with my guest, Kimberly Carfor, a professor of environmental studies at the University of San Francisco. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. You do a lot of work with the field of religion and ecology. Um, what, you're on the advisory group for the Forum on Religion and Ecology. And uh, you're also on the steering committee for the religion and ecology section at the American Academy of Religion. So that's really what I want to talk about uh, today. This is kind of, oh, what, like halfway through, I guess, or a little over halfway through the virtual annual meeting. So it started uh, November 30th. It'll end December 10th. And uh, so we're kind of in the middle here. The first week has happened. We got another week coming up. But I'd really like to hear what your experience has been. Uh, for this first week. And you know, before we get into any specific panels or anything, what have you been thinking about the virtual format? How's that been for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've From other people, I've heard uh, a lot of different thoughts on this, but I personally really have enjoyed it uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously, I think mostly I and other people miss seeing everybody, you know, a lot of people say that the conferencing happens not necessarily when you give your papers, but, you know, when you're seeing people getting coffee or, you know, at night when you're hanging out and chilling out. So, uh, so missing people is a little bit sad, but there are a lot of perks, you know, like I find that people go to more of the talks because a lot of them are being recorded. And so, you know, the dreaded thing that happens is when there's two panels going at once that you're totally interested in, you have to choose and you go to one and you don't want to have to slide out and disturb people who are talking. So you get to go to one and then later on, um, you know, like when you're making dinner, you could listen to the other one. And so uh, it's nice to have that option. Also, I really like, you know, you can just kind of roll out of bed and turn on your phone while you're making your coffee and you get to be there at the you know 8 a.m panels 8 a.m here it's 11 a.m start time in Boston um and also I've definitely noticed uh that the Q&A is a bit more orderly and so having the questions filtered through the presider and also having people have to type their questions on online format makes them a bit more clear because sometimes you know you're sitting in the audience you think you have a really great question, you have a burning question, and then when you start articulating it, it ends up not being super articulate. And so having to filter it through the computer uh, helps a lot. Uh, and also access. I definitely notice that voices that I don't normally hear in the conferences um, are able to, I don't know if it's the online format, you feel a bit more courageous to ask a question. Um, so it seems like there's allowing a little bit more of an egalitarian uh, tone to the conference. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah, that's been my experience too, largely. I kind of came in thinking uh, it's not going to be as fun because we don't get to really see each other and do all the, uh, you know, the commiserating and the hanging out that we normally get to do. So it's such a big part of building relationships uh, and building, uh, you know, building knowledge means having teams, having groups, having community. And, uh, and then yet, been really impressed with the quality of the panels and and like you said the Q&A a lot sharper 
Yeah, fewer people who are like uh, halfway through a question. I guess this is more of a comment than a question. <laughs> that happens uh, all the time. Like in this case, people are like, oh, then you're typing it out and you format it better. And there's yep, been a couple absolutely. times too where I hear somebody say something really cool. I'm like, oh, I missed that great quote they just said. I can go back and listen later on the recording. Uh, yes. So yeah, really pros and cons. Um, absolutely. So... And they also have the chat function, which is different than the Q&A. So right. the chat is kind of a more informal way. You could be like, great point, so-and-so. Or uh, if you're interested more in this research, you should read this person's book. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, sharing links and stuff like that. Yeah, which otherwise in a normal conference, then you're like passing notes back and yeah, forth. And and like yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you miss. Yeah, and then you look like that terrible person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, easier to hide being a terrible person when you're online. That has its that actually really cons. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll be really curious. You know, in the future, what will happen? Right? Because even when we go back to in-person conferencing, they might still include some more virtual panels because it does provide easier access for a lot of folks. Yeah, which um, I think is a great thing because I know that for a long time the AAR, the Religion Ecology Group in particular, has been advocating for um, a sabbatical because, you know, for everybody to fly together, that burns a lot of carbon. So I've been thinking about that a lot during this conference as well, that this is kind of our sabbatical trial run. And and to me, it's going really well. So I'd love to see that. Well, and uh, and that's a good segue into the main topic we have here, right? It's uh, you know podcast for the Forum on Religion and Ecology. And so what does this conference have to do with ecology, climate change, the environment, nature, all these different topics? So I'm curious how you've seen uh, e ecological issues show up in the first week, like what panels you went to, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's been honestly super great because like I said, I've been going to these conferences every year for a almost 10 years. I think it's nine years. And so over the years, I've definitely noticed a trend where this year, it's almost like any panel I go to, they're talking about ecology or climate change or the wildfires. Uh, and so it's almost like where the ideas were uh, part like particular to the religion and ecology field are now spreading to where all the different, um, I don't know how many different units there are, but they're all kind of, it's spreading, which is to me the best, like we couldn't ask for anything better. Um, but in particular, I, I've gone to, the first panel I went to was a panel on Joanna Macy. So uh, if you don't know, Joanna Macy does uh, ecological grief work. Uh, she's done a lot of uh, activism. And so it was a panel uh, about her latest book. And so the main takeaway I got, she, I, I, she was one of my teachers. And so um, I know her work quite well. Um, but one of the main takeaways was that she was just really thankful to be seen as a scholar because I think for her way back when she taught a little bit, but then she had to make a choice where she ended up being more of an activist. And so she started doing workshops. So having people read her book at the AAR, um, I think she was just really honored. And so people are really waking up to how relevant her grief work is um, as more ecological disasters continue to happen. Right, because she's uh, a good example of one of the forerunners on the kind of Buddhist ecology scene. Right. And so, um, yeah, so many decades later, people are like, oh, actually, these ideas right. are still uh, really worth hearing about. Right, um, because she was such a visionary at her time. And 
wasn't there also something in the animals and religion section that kind of got into like a Buddhism and animals? Right. So the animals, yeah, I went to the animals and religion panel, which was on Buddhism and animal ethics. Um, And so scholars were talking about animal rights and how even framing things in the term of rights is, is insufficient. And uh, so leading towards a, a more affirming personhood in animals and how that rubs up against Buddhist theory and, you know, who gets to do the Dharma. Uh, that one was really interesting. Uh, there were definitely uh, a lot of really great points being brought up. Um, yeah. So, so, so Buddhism and animal ethics. And then I also went to one on uh I believe this was also another one in animals and religion, which is kind of like a sister uh, unit to the religion ecology group. And so it was on race and animality. And so kind of critiquing whiteness and how uh, environmentalism is kind of a movement of of whiteness and how, how deep it is in the ideology. So deconstructing that um, and talking about these ideas of animality yeah, that's great. Uh, how they kind of fall upon racial lines, which animals represent different um, racial groups. Like the eagle is very much like freedom and uh, can be co-opted to, towards white supremacy. Interesting, right. And yeah, how some certain animals, animals are yeah. evil. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, so like uh, what, Black Panthers, you have a whole movement based on the panther. Right. Whereas one, white yeah. nationalism seems to like the bald eagle. Uh, right. Yeah, that's very interesting. I still need to go back and watch that one. I hope that one was recorded. Oh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. that one was fantastic. And especially um, this idea of purity, right? Um, people go out like John Muir. Of course, many of us uh, have seen that he's been critiqued for his racism recently. And so what do we do with that information? Um, and so the idea of wilderness is founded upon this this transcendence, this purity politics, right? And so avoiding one's animality. Um, yeah, I don't want to uh, get too deep into it, but I, I highly recommend that one. Nice. It's really relevant for, for, for right now. Any other, before we get into the religion ecology section itself and the offerings it had, I'm curious, what are some of these other kind of environmentally oriented panels that you saw in, in some of these other sections? Right. So I went um, to the one where Chris Carter was presiding. Chris Carter is one of the chairs of the Religion Ecology Unit. Uh, It was the International Society for Science and Religion. And so they were talking about Cecilia Drummond's new book. Uh, And so her new book was talking about a theological ethics uh, through a multi-species lens. And so once again, you know, it's interesting because we talk, we I brought up how there was a Buddhist ethic and animal ethics. So this one also gets into ethics um, through a theological framework. And so uh, Grace Cow was there, uh, Norman Wurzbach. They were discussing her book a little bit, uh, both affirming it and then critiquing it. Uh, so that was a pretty good one. Uh, one, I did end up going to two others that one was a cognitive science. And then the other one was on bioethics. And the bioethics one was really interesting because they, they focus solely on the pandemic. Uh, but one of my takeaways was I was really inspired to see how, how these scholars were framing uh, their data. Uh, and so in both of those panels, they talked about the need for a new story and the role of imagination in science and in data collection, right? And so 
like I said, I've been going to the AAR for a long time. And so hearing scholars opening up to, you know, what counts as knowledge, I thought was a really huge step uh, and really exciting. Right. Um, and then what else? Uh, I You were in, uh, you uh, attended the panel that I presented in. I remember um, the mysticism unit had a couple panels, actually. I think you didn't go to one of those that I uh, did have an opportunity to go to. Um, there was a, a book panel on a book called Thinking Nature and the Nature of Thinking by Wilhelmine Otten. And uh, it was a really good panel, a lot of good panelists discussing uh, what it means to rethink nature, not as passive and not necessarily as a victim, but nature as active and as an equal participant in God's creative power. And uh, especially, I don't know, for the last like 20 years or something, there's been a big push for getting rid of the concept of nature and making more way for the e ecology or systems theory, Gaia theory, and people like Bruno Latour really mm. well known for that back in like the late nineties, Slavoj Zizek, Timothy Morton, a lot of people saying we get rid of nature. It's this romantic concept. It's just about national parks and stuff, but we need to talk about ecological complexity. And then uh, her book is saying, actually, if you really look into a variety of sources from uh, early Christian theology to people like Ralph Waldo Emerson, there are more concepts of nature available. The symbolic power of nature is something we don't necessarily right. want to throw out. Maybe, you know, we might've gotten uh, rid of the baby with the bathwater on that one. Right. Um, so that was good. And then uh, you were bringing up, you know, John Muir's racism. That was actually a topic in my panel. Yes, it was. Would you um, like to say something about that? <laughs> I won't say much. It was uh, Russell Powell gave a very nice paper kind of addressing that. Um, and a, without being, I don't know, accusatory, some people right. seem to get, uh, just initially like offended once you point out the racism of um, people in the canon, right? Right. So if it's Plato or Aristotle or if it's John Muir or Ernst Haeckel, you know, you point that and people go, no, 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 it's, they're still worth reading. It's like, well, we didn't say they're not worth reading. We said there's some problems there. And right. in fact, we need to read them to understand how these problems actually show up. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, and what, I don't really want to say a whole lot about my paper. My paper is mostly about a kind of eco mysticism. I was kind of pushing back on the nature stuff and saying, maybe we do need an ecological mysticism, not just a nature mysticism. And I think people like Aldo Leopold are kind of good examples of that. Like we need ecological science and we need to realize that whatever we thought was nature is not doing so well right now. Right. And it's very denaturalized. If it was ever right. naturalizable, it's definitely been denaturalized now. So this is kind of different process. We need to engage with that and, and contemplative practices can help us uh, do that. Right, right. And, so, yeah, because uh, you were saying critiquing nature, mysticism, uh, going back to the Joanna Macy point to uh, tap into nature isn't just to tap into the beauty of nature because the natural world is not doing so well. So, you know, what do we do with that? Yeah, it's if, if nature is this kind of ordered and beautiful whole, it turns out that we're really... Uh, damaging it in a pretty severe way, uh, right? Mass extinction. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there was another great paper by Timothy Grieve Carlson on uh, the Big Thicket, which is a really complex, biodiverse ecosystem in Southeast Texas. 
and people have uh, mystical experiences there. And not just mystical, right. but like supernatural, like seeing lights and things like that right. or seeing panthers. And people are like, there are no panthers in Texas. People are like, well, I saw one. Uh, so yeah, pretty interesting. I always like hearing uh, people kind of valorize what we normally dismiss as being supernatural or paranormal yeah. or something. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that's another good example of what you're saying earlier, the mysticism unit, not normally associated with doing ecological stuff here. They had a couple panels that were uh, kind of exactly that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see it infiltrated. Uh, so, you know, uh, we could probably talk about a lot of other panels for a while, but yes, we could the star of the show, clearly the religion ecology group. Uh, yes. So I'm curious, what was the religion ecology section doing this week? Great. So the first panel was on uh, highlighted three case studies, right? So one was coal in Pennsylvania. The other was pilgrimage to the Jordan River. And then the other one was an agricultural movement in South Africa. And so back to this ethics component, uh, they were talking about ethics and uh, on the ground, like where the rubber meets the road, right? Because in religion and ecology, we have all these ideas and theories, uh, how to change ideologies, what our ethics should look like, should it be a bioethics, uh, you know, whatnot. But then when the rubber meets the road, right? So you've got this case study in Pennsylvania where they say, no, uh, coal, these coal workers, right? They say, you know, coal is a gift from God. I believe that. That is my religion. And so what do you say to these people when you're doing ethnographic work? You can't tell them, oh, I'm right because I'm a scholar. Uh, and so this particular scholar was uh, talking about the nuances and complexities involved in working with these people, right? You, you can't tell someone their God isn't right or something. So I just thought that was a really brilliant way to demonstrate how some of our ideas, when you put into practice, may not necessarily um, work. And so what do you do with that, right? It's a problem. Uh, and so the uh, the second panel was highlighting, uh, it, was, it, was, it was looking back to move forward, right? And so we're looking at the legacies of Rosemary Radford Ruther, uh, Dennis Edwards, and uh, Sally McVeigh. And so it was basically, you know, highlighting these are some religion ecology scholars and what do we do with their work in the future? And I thought one of the, the best, uh, most brilliant papers was from Tim Middleton. And he used the concept of the body of God, Sally McFaig's body of God, to talk about earth trauma and how, um, you know, how fracking is actually a traumatized response from the earth. He didn't use Gaia theory, but he was applying, you know, this idea of trauma. It's not just a, a human or interpersonal uh, psychological experience. It's also an experience that the earth is going through. Uh, and then the third panel was on uh, Muslim environmentalisms, which uh, highlighted Anne Gade's new book on Muslim environmentalism. And it was wonderful because that is kind of a marginalized perspective, uh, has been in the past in the religion ecology group. So yeah, I was honored to preside on the first two and then attend the second or the third. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting stuff. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate all of that. The case studies uh, and then revisiting some of our kind of pioneering fi uh, figures in the field. Right. And then, yeah, that book, Muslim Environmentalisms uh, by Anna Gade, I've heard a lot of people referring to that. I, th I guess it came out at the end of last year. It's a 2019 book. 
Mm, uh, but it right. seems pretty influential. I think that might be kind of the new standard go-to, the go-to. text. Because, yeah, yeah, like you're saying, it's been getting. relatively marginal ever since whatever Lynn White 1967 talks yeah. about Christianity as the roots of the ecological crisis. Christianity became such the focus, so much eco-theology, so yes. much discussion of Christianity and the environment. And uh, a lot of the other religions don't quite get as much airtime. Yes. Um, and that's definitely been the case with Islam. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate uh, that panel. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Me too. and agree. Yeah, Tim Middleton's piece was great. I enjoyed that a lot. I like anybody who's working with earth systems, uh, sciences, and theology. Yeah. Right. Because well, it's one thing to think about the environment, but you got to think about the whole planet. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, James Deschamps, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. It sounds very French. Um, so he uh, talked about, and this is kind of like why it's beautiful to have Anne Gade's new book, um, because we keep applying these Christian concepts to explain religion ecology as it arises, you know, through a Christocentric perspective. Um, and so it's helpful to begin opening up to other uh, religions as well. But uh, James mentioned uh, this idea of the logos in all animals, you know, and the Trinity exists in all animals. So moving back to that idea of how to conceptualize personhood uh, in animals and animal rights, which then complements the Buddhist and animal ethics panel. So yeah, there's a lot of different threads that we're crossing. I was really excited to see that. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a good conference experience when you kind of get a sense of like, okay, there's a lot of diversity of topics. And you had some common reference points. You see, we're all kind of grappling with some similar problems together. Uh, so yeah, it's a good opportunity to learn and to just feel supported by our uh, community of peers and colleagues and get to meet some new people, despite the fact yeah. that we all can't hover over the coffee table together as the coffee shows up. Yeah, uh, I so, know. So yeah, missing, missing to have that kind of personal contact with people, but there's still a little. Yeah, it is fun. I find that... If I had a question, I've been in email contact, uh, or if I've been excited about an idea, I'll email someone and say, can you say more about this? And so in a sense, it can build a long-term connection because now you have that email connection, right? Whereas if you're talking with someone, you may not have made that exchange or exchanged cards. So yeah, I think think it's been really exciting. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I agree. You don't necessarily have to hang out in the hall afterward. There is follow-up emails. <laughs> and so we just have to use our imagination a little bit and like, oh, right, I can send you an email. Exactly. Uh, well, great. And so we have, you know, a few more days left. Is there anything you're looking forward to in this last week or? Well, just in general, I mean, I've been so excited about the panel so far and uh, there's been so many takeaways. I'm just excited that it's a whole another week next week. (laughs) And then, yeah, the business meeting is on Monday. And so we'll be discussing uh, who or what ideas, uh, what theories we're going to have for the calls, call for papers next year. Right. Yeah. So just kind of excited in general. Yeah, and I think, you know, this will be airing Monday. That's when we release these uh, these videos. And so some people probably won't see it till Tuesday or Wednesday. And so right. at that point, it's too late to tell them to watch the uh, the business meeting. And the business meeting is part of a whole panel on religion, ecology, and colonialism. Colonialism and coloniality, right. which is another right. really important topic that really hasn't gotten enough attention in previous years. Uh, Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to that. And I guess if somebody's listening to this and they're registered, 
go back and watch the video. Watch if the you recording. Yeah. And if you have an idea, feel free to email me or uh, Chris Carter for, you know, idea, uh, for ideas for the call for paper for next year. Excellent. Uh, well, great. I really appreciate you being on here, Kim, giving us a little yeah. rundown of uh, what's happened so far and sharing some of your enthusiasm for it. Yeah. Uh, super excited really to treat. be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'll have to have you back on another time where we can really get into your specific work. You know, you've done a good job kind of being a reporter, uh, but obviously <laughs> you have, uh, you know, your own writing, your own teaching and stuff like that. So, uh, so we'll definitely do that another time. Yeah, uh, but for now, uh, thanks for being on here. Thanks for telling us a little bit about the AAR. Uh, we'll be back next week with a kind of uh, after party. I don't know, a post game show. I don't know, some kind of, some kind of rundown of what else happened this week and what to look forward to uh, in the new year for the field of religion, ecology, and that kind of stuff. Uh, So thanks for being here. I'll let everybody go. Probably rambling too long at this point. I don't know. Last track of time. Uh, (laughs) Exciting stuff. It's too exciting. And I I lost myself in the fun. So (laughs) thanks so much. And for everybody uh, tuning in, thanks for being here. And uh, we'll see you again next week with some more stuff for you. So in the meantime, take care and be well. Bye. Thank you. Bye.